welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. By Penn State fans, for Penn State fans. Here are your hosts, Andrew and Vince. What's up, Nittany Lion fans? Welcome to week two of the college football season. Penn State is set to take on the Bobcats of Ohio University this Saturday in Beaver Stadium. So we've got a full conversation for you about that. But first, Vince, how were your Labor Day festivities? They were great, man. Just had a uh, family picnic today. So had a few drinks with the cousins and, you know, all the rest of my family. Got to enjoy a lot of football this weekend, which we're going to talk a lot about today. Definitely a lot stressful than when we're watching Penn State. So definitely enjoyed relaxing. How about you? Yeah, you know, we haven't uh, done a whole lot here. I've just uh, kind of been hanging around the house. We got a couple odds and ends done. So not too much uh, going on here. Uh, Did you get to enjoy all of the desserts that you were looking forward to? Yes. Had a piece of ice cream cake and a piece of blueberry pie. Might have some more pie for breakfast tomorrow. Had a smoked brisket today. So that was really good. Lots, lots of good stuff at the Fidali family barbecue. I know you're a big tennis fan. Did you catch any of the U.S. Open this weekend? I have, yes. I've been uh, trying to keep close tabs on it just because there's a couple of young guys out there that I'm interested in, like uh, Carlos Alcaraz and Lorenzo Mazzetti. Uh, so there's been some really good tennis going on, a couple of upsets on both the men's and the women's side. Obviously, everything that's been happening with Serena has been polarizing. So a lot of entertaining stuff here. But there is a pretty interesting uh, Penn State tie here that I want to mention, and that is Jesse Pagula the number eight seed on the women's side. And you might recognize the name Pagula, and that is because Jesse is the daughter. That's right. Jesse is the daughter of Terry and Kim Pagula, who were the main benefactors for the ice arena on Penn State's campus. So not only is she the heiress to the money that owns the Bills and the Sabres, she's also a world-class tennis player. So I think overall, she's really crushing it in life. I really like watching her game. She has really solid ground stroke. She's aggressive on the approach, which is something that I do vibe with. I, I like to you know kind of go for those winners myself when I'm playing tennis. So I really like watching her play. And so she's into the second week of the U.S. Open now. Her next match is in the round of 16 against Petra Kvitova who is also a very tricky opponent, especially on hard courts. So be looking forward to that match. I think it'll be a good one. But yeah, so obviously lots of great tennis at the U.S. Open, but kind of cool that we're able to get Penn State mentioned in there too. Yeah, that's great. And I think that gives all of Nittany Nation someone to cheer for during the U.S. Open. And I think that's really exciting. But do not worry, folks. We are going to get to plenty of football this episode. Going over some week one, other games in the Big Ten that happened, as well as games we thought were interesting over the holiday weekend. First off, shame on us. I can't believe we didn't notice this matchup. Old Dominion and Virginia Tech. Ricky Ronnie and Brent Fry. Thoughts on your crazy on that game on the upset? I mean, yeah. I mean, honestly, it's uh, it's crazy how much bragging rights Old Dominion ha- now has since they've uh, now played Virginia Tech twice and have beaten them twice. So I think that's... Uh, that's a, a big storyline in of itself. But yeah, I mean, two former assistant coaches under James Franklin in the head coaching spots, uh, Ricky Ronnie at Old Dominion, Brent Pry at Virginia Tech. This is the first time, at least in my memory, that uh, former James Franklin assistants have matched up like this. So 
that was kind of neat. A lot of crazy stuff happening in that game. A lot of uh, momentum swings. I was able to catch a little bit of that game. Seemed like Virginia Tech did have uh, quite a large number of mistakes in that game, a couple of turnovers. So, uh, you know, hard to really say how much that's going to impact the rest of their season. But, you know, obviously really exciting game for the average college football fan, just with Old Dominion really pulling off an upset there. Absolutely. And speaking of exciting football game, did you catch that UNC App State game? That was crazy as well. I mean, that is like week one college football to a T. Just insane things happening, uh, you know, botch conversions that lead to, you know, split second opportunities that lead to more opportunities in which, you know, they just come up short. Like that is about as uh, entertaining as a guess right down to the to the very last play. I mean, that guy was inches away from the end zone to tie that game. Yeah, that would have been really exciting to watch the game in overtime. And I think everyone except maybe UNC fans would have liked that for sure. Yeah, 10 touchdowns in the fourth quarter, seven for App State, 63-61. Tar Heels, you know, just escape App State. And wow, that was a fun game to watch. Kind of reminded me of the uh, Indiana game from 2020 where Penn State scored a touchdown instead of like taking a knee and running out the clock just to have the game be over. And that very well could have happened to the Tar Heels. So they're lucky to escape there. What is it about App State that they just have this black magic around them where, you know, they just come out in week one and just uh, almost nearly or actually do stun their their first week opponent? I mean, it's uh, it's crazy how they kind of have this air about them. Yeah, I'm glad we are playing Ohio next week and not App State. Well, hey, I uh, I do remember you saying in an earlier episode, don't overlook these mid-major teams. So, you know, I think there's a couple guys on that Ohio team that uh, will want to talk about that give Penn State reasons to not just sleepwalk through this game. So uh, I do agree with you. I will take Ohio over App State, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that a little bit more. So what else do you got? What else I got? Oh, so uh, did you catch uh, Coach Brian Kelly's speech at coming out of half? The game's going. I did not. The game's going on right now, but he came out at halftime. They're only down like seven to three, and Coach Kelly comes out of half, and he's like, "Wow, we couldn't have played any worse than that." And then he says, "Well, I've only this is only my first game, so I guess we could play worse." What do you think of that quote? Brian Kelly is just another one of those guys who you know very much like a Pat Narduzzi. Just seems like he can't help but say something that's like a slight to somebody or something negative. I mean, I just don't really understand that. It's like, do your coach speech, go into halftime, talk to your players, come back out and try to win the game. You're, I mean, of course you're at LSU, but you're unranked. I mean, go through the process, like go through one game without having a moment like this, dude. (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, you know, pretty bad and kind of surprising. He left a a job at Notre Dame for LSU, kind of shocking. Uh, But speaking of Pat Narduzzi, after that West Virginia backyard brawl, he he's saying he'll take Penn State on anytime, anywhere. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, of course he's going to say that because those are going to be the games where they get the fans. You know, it's uh, it's it's clear as day to see what their attendance is like for uh, most of the season. I mean, and it's these big games that bring the fans out, and ultimately that has benefits for their program bringing in the money that has benefits for their team getting recruits because they're able to show them big games i mean there's so many upsides for Pitt when you have a hated rival coming in like a west virginia like a penn state so you know i i can see it quite honestly i would like penn state to play Pitt many times over too i feel like they would 
be uh, you know a really great rival just to have on the schedule, kind of like Iowa, Iowa State, and other in-state rivals rivalries like that across the country. Uh, but you know, like I said, I think there's you know there's a lot of reasons like why he said that, and there's a lot of benefit in it for Pitt for them to play Penn State. So not overly surprised by the comment. Yeah, I think that would be really exciting. I've really enjoyed watching them, except that uh, the one year where we had the the errant interception in the end zone, which let's face it, that cost us a trip to the college football playoffs, that one throw. Throughout the Big Ten, we had some other big games. Uh, some teams played twice in week one. So we had that close battle between Northwestern 31-28 over Nebraska. Nebraska also played North Dakota, beat them 38-17. Illinois beat Wyoming 38-6, and then later lost to Indiana 23-20. Rutgers won a tough game at Boston College, 22-21 to escape there. Wisconsin and Minnesota both looked dominant and pitched 38-0 shutouts against their opponents. Maryland beat Buffalo 31-10. Michigan State over Western Michigan 35-13. Iowa beats South Dakota State 7-3. Do you know how they got those seven points, Andrew? I do. It's unbelievable. And just the fact that, you know, this is an absolutely plausible football score, but the fact that the seven points came from a field goal and two safeties is just about as Iowa as it gets. Yeah, that's just Iowa football right there. Like all defense, no offense. I actually uh, spoke to an Iowa fan today. My cousin's boyfriend was from Iowa and he was saying like, Oh, it's so miserable to watch games like our special teams and defense are so good, but we can never score. And he felt good that uh, Charlie Sizzle transferred over to Purdue so that he can showcase his talents. And he actually said to me that he wishes Iowa was in the Big Ten East so they would have to be more competitive and be forced to get wide receivers instead of settling for the Big Ten West. What are your thoughts on that? He can have Penn State spot. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, quite honestly. Yeah, I will take I'll take that trade. Yeah. yeah, give us give us Wisconsin, Illinois, Purdue every year. Give me give me those teams. I will take those teams in a heartbeat over Ohio State, Michigan, and Michigan State every year. Absolutely. Yeah, I was like, you say that, but then when you go through it, might not be so great. I mean, yeah, it's like how many how many trips to the Big Ten championship could Penn State have had between 2016 mm-hmm. and 2019 if they weren't in the Big Ten East. I mean, we'd, be, we'd probably be talking about Penn State going to the championship game every one of those years if they were in the West. Oh, for sure. Most certainly. And to round out our last two, we have Michigan just throttling Colorado State 51 to 7. And, you know, they looked like they looked like a Big Ten champion contender. They looked like that. Colorado State's no slouch. And then Ohio State had a close battle over Notre Dame. They were down 10 to 7 at the half. And then Notre Dame was playing two safeties deep most of the game. They brought a blitz on the one play. Then CJ Stroud just licked his chops and found uh, one of their wide receivers deep in the end zone. So I think that Notre Dame showcased a good way of how you want to play Ohio State, uh, pushing those safeties deep and forcing them to run the ball. You know, credit to Notre Dame. Their front seven is probably a lot better than Penn State's, so we might not have the same success, but I think it's good that we have a blueprint of how to be competitive. What do you think? 
Yeah, I would agree. And, you know, I, I'd like to say that I, this game was a lot closer than I thought it would be. I truly thought that Ohio State would take this game and run away with it. So I was really surprised by the scoreline through most of this game. It's hard to say how much Jackson Smith and Jigba's injury might have swayed the course of that game, whether Ohio State might have been able to score a bit more in bunches. But, you know, I think that Ohio State really just wore them down over the course of that game. I mean, uh, Trevion Henderson and the other running back, Williams, I mean, they just really took over the show near the end there. They just couldn't stop uh, Ohio State on the ground. So I think this is an Ohio State team that, you know, has really just truly reloaded at all these other skill positions. Uh, They have a running game that they believe in. They obviously have a ton of talented receivers. uh, Heisman hopeful quarterback. So uh, it's hard to hard to really complain if you're a fan of that team. So yeah, thought this game was closer than or this game was closer than I thought it would be. But ultimately, it was a really exciting game. Yeah, and Ohio State gets tons of credit for their skill position players and CJ Stroud. But that line doesn't really get the credit it deserves. It's kind of uh, overshadowed by, you know, the great players they have outside. So they got to showcase, hey, we can win tough and physical too. And in that fourth quarter rolled around, you, you could tell Notre Dame was starting to run out of gas. Yeah, all great points. I don't really have any other thoughts on that. Should we move on to Ohio? Yeah, but first, uh, if you are in the area, we do have some other Penn State sports that we would like to cover. So your returning Big Ten champion, men, Penn State men's soccer team, is going to have a game Friday at Jeffrey Field, 7 p.m. against Princeton. And as well as that, we have the women's soccer team. They made the Sweet 16 last year. They play Thursday night. So those are a couple of teams that, hey, you want to watch a sporting event and you're, you're in Happy Valley this weekend for Ohio. Those are some teams you can catch up and watch. Awesome. Great points. And I believe that, uh, you know, women's volleyball will probably be in action too. So you can really make a, a nice weekend out of it. Yeah, the women's team doesn't play for a while, but they are off to a hot start. 6-0, ranked number 21 in the nation. Later in the fall, when they come to Rec Hall and Happy Valley, they'll definitely be a fun team to watch. And kind of rounding out, we have field hockey. They're not ranked number 11 in the country. So when they're back in, back in town, they'll be a fun team to watch as well. And lastly, we have uh, a spo- kind of a surprise here. Uh, can you believe I was rooting against a Penn State team? Say it ain't so, Vince. Yeah, so th- this may be, this is definitely me being a homer, but they had over the weekend, they had a, a Dolan Dole's is a meet they have every year with Lock Haven, which is where I ran cross country. So every single year we got to have a big competition with Penn State. When I was a junior in high school, I think 2009, we beat them. They brought over like a bus full of recruits to this meet with us. Be like, oh, we're going to mop up on Lock Haven. And then our team beat them that year. And we, we sent them home with their tails between their legs. You know, definitely a big rivalry there. Some years we were somewhat competitive. When I was there, some years they just uh, whooped us. This past year, they they had a perfect score on both the men's and women's side. So their cross-country teams are also off to a good start. And that Friday as well, they have the Spike Shoe Invitational. So that's another big meet that Penn State will be hosting over the weekend. Awesome. So I imagine you'll probably be keeping some close tabs on that. Yeah, for sure. I actually ran the uh, Spike Shoe Invitational myself a few times in high school, and I got some uh, interesting stories there. You want to hear them? Yeah, hit me with your best story. All right, so here's my my best story. So I was running the 5K. It was my first time on the course. I'm running. I'm not having my best race. And I see this sign that says three miles. 
and a 5K is 3.1 miles. So I'm thinking I'm 200 meters from the finish. I should like be all out sprinting now because there's only 30 seconds left in the race. But little did I know that 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 sign was for the women's 6K race, which is about 3.75 miles. So I had about 1,200 meters to go. So I started like sprinted all out like I had 200 meters to go. <laughs> and I still had another kilometer to run another 0.6 miles after that. So needless to say, my sophomore year was not my best race. But then my junior year, I came back, had probably my best ever race in my cross country career. I out sprinted one of the best runners in the state, you know, to take the win and really surprised myself. So that was exciting. And then my senior year, he was smart enough to not let me hang around and he won by 25 seconds and got me earlier in the race. But I definitely have a lot of special memories racing on the Bloom White golf courses. Cool. Well, yeah, I imagine that uh, moment your sophomore year was it was uh, probably a nice learning experience. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Actually knowing that, oh, I should probably study the course a little bit more. Like deep down, I knew I was like, I don't think I have 200 meters to go. But I was like, the sign says it, so I might as well go. <laughs> but yeah, not my, not not my best decision in my cross country career. Hey, we all have those, right? Yeah, absolutely. But moving on to our meat and potatoes, the football game this weekend. So we have Ohio coming into Beaver Stadium. Noon kickoff. This is the Ohio game that should be the noon kickoff, by the way. Hopefully we don't get stuck with that big noon kickoff for Ohio State. Seconded. Yeah, most of the line fans, we might be overlooking this game. But hey, it's a revenge game from 10 years ago and Bill O'Brien's first loss as head coach. That's right, dude. And uh, I think it's kind of funny to think that, you know, most of the guys who are on the team now, when we did lose to Ohio, were about 10 years old. So just think about that and laugh. Yeah, it makes you it makes you feel old when you're uh, recording podcasts. But yeah, so all time PSU leads the series five to one. Last time they came into Beaver Stadium was 2012 and they had a 24-14 win. Looking back at their season. Last year, they were three and nine, so not very successful. Last or this week, they had a win 41 to 38 over FAU. But before we dive down into this game, the weather is supposed to be 79 degrees, nine mile per hour winds, 22 mile per hour gust. We have a 49% chance of precipitation, but it's only a half hour or so. Looking like dry conditions in Happy Valley. So what are some tailgate tips that Fred and Bill have for us this week? Yeah, so we are introducing the new segment of our show, Bill and Fred's Excellent Tailgate. And to that end, let's hop over to talk to the tailgate experts themselves. All right, so we are joined now by tailgating extraordinaires, Fred Pandolfi and my father, Bill Bird. Welcome to the Nittany Blues Podcast. How are you doing? Doing good. Yeah. Doing well, thank you. Awesome. Yeah, so we got a couple of uh, good questions for you guys. I uh, want to get some tailgating knowledge out to the fans here. But before we do that, I want to ask, you know, after a stressful game last Thursday, what were some of your takeaways from that win against Purdue? Uh, well, I was, uh, as I, I think I texted Bill, uh, you know, just a couple of heart attacks in that game. You know, I thought we looked, well, I, I, as I, I start every season thinking, boy, I see, I see these moments of brightness and, and greatness and, and hope for the, the new season. And uh, I'm, I'm at the same place, right? I saw a lot to like, 
but also a lot of mistakes that I hope are, are, you know, game one jitters and rustiness that'll go away who have joined the team look great. I think we finally have a, uh, a backup quarterback who doesn't make me nervous at all. So if, if Clifford does get injured, I won't be, I won't be particularly nervous about it at all. I think we'll pick up where we, where we left off. So all in all, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about a, a new season as usual. Awesome. Yeah. I uh, couldn't agree more. I mean, stressful first game for Penn state. It's uh, nothing new for us. So dad, what about you? What do you think of last Thursday's game? Pretty much the same. I mean, from standpoint of that, the things I, right after the game, I wrote some stuff down because I knew I was going to get asked about this. So, so the one of the things that I, I noticed that I actually liked about it was, I don't know if it was like the first play or the second play, but I'm pretty sure I saw our quarterback under center more than once. And I actually liked that part. Yeah. yeah the other things I put down is, I, I think number 10 is going to be a good one this year. I'd like yeah. to see more of that and actually... Yeah, it leads me to, you guys talked about it in your previous episode, and it was about, we had like, at one point, we had like six minutes. I don't understand why we, I don't understand why we thought we had to run a two-minute drill there and go three and out rather than try and run the ball when uh, it seemed like we actually could do it a little bit. You know, one of my biggest things, like for this game in the future, however, however it transpired as far as him coming out, is uh, Drew Aller. For being an actual, you know, true freshman or whatever the stage didn't look too big for him didn't you know he seemed poised you know not like you know nervous in any way and and actually it was you know it was a big deal when he was coming in it wasn't like mop-up duty against you know somebody else I mean this was you know we were in the fight so that's hopefully bodes well for the future yeah I would agree I think uh what's really telling is the fact that we didn't see kind of um like a repeat of Taquan Roberson coming in where they just instructed him to hand the ball off a couple of times. Like they put the ball in his hands and said, Hey, like go get him, put it in the air. And he did. And on your note about uh, Nick Singleton, I mean, I said to Vince that it wouldn't surprise me if we see the Nick Singleton or Catron Allen designation at first team running back at some point this year. I mean, they just look like they're the real deal at running back. I mean, they have a ton of burst, a ton of speed. Um, I even said that uh, Catron Allen reminded me a little bit of Noah Kane with uh, some of the decisions he made to let routes develop and some of the hard running. So really love to see uh, what they bring to the table the rest of the season, but all great notes. So um, we'll be bringing these guys on uh, pretty frequently throughout this season, so we'll get a couple of other opinions besides mine and Vince's, so you won't get bored with us. But uh, yeah. So. By the way, one other thing I'll throw in there is, you know, obviously not as big a deal, but I was kind of happy to see that, you know, especially with with Stout gone, that you know the kicking game seems to have, uh, you know, I I, I forget. Um, it's oh, I want I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Um, who punted um barney amore yeah barney right but barney barney i think had a had a you know granted one game but i think eight punts uh and an average higher than than stout had in in his career anyway um and the guy kicking is it nawosu yep gabe um, nawosu you know just um like i said not quite as big a deal but no no gap really picked up right where we left off which is nice 
And I think what's uh, also kind of a funny uh, subplot to that is that if anybody's ever asked the question of what it would look like to see a defensive lineman kick a football, that's what it would probably look like since the guy is uh, <laughs> six six and uh, 270 or 280. I mean, he looks enormous out there. So just yeah. glad that that uh, translated uh, to the kicking game. So I'm glad that we didn't really miss a beat with uh, Jordan Stout having moved on. All right, so starting off with some of the good stuff here about tailgating. So I specifically wanted to ask you guys about your tailgating experience and you know the fact that you guys run a, a very unique tailgate in that it's not you know your typical uh, like humongous RV setup. It's not you know the basic back of a, a truck tailgate sort of thing. Like it's a very unique experience, but it's very well done. I'm sure anybody who has been to this tailgate or has even walked by it would corroborate. So Vince, back me up here. Is this not uh, the best tailgate you've been to at Beaver Stadium? By far, this is the best tailgate I've been to or seen. And here's what makes it special. They can fit all of their stuff in a van and it is like geometrically perfect. And they use every single inch of the van to fill it with stuff. So here's what they have. Not only do they have a tarp in there, uh, it has a folding TV so you can slide the TV out. You can put the tent up so that if it rains or you have inclement, inclement weather, it covers the TV. And then they always have all their cooking supplies and they just fit everything in there perfectly. They got the system mastered, you know, after years. And we are going to share with you some of their tips so that you too can have a great tailgate. Yeah, perfectly said. So that's actually a great segue to this first question. So, uh, you know, really, it's almost going on about 10 years now that you guys have been doing this particular tailgate. So I really want to know a little bit more about your experience over the uh, better part of a decade here in evolving that tailgate, like some of the lessons that you've learned, and also uh, just some of the reasons why you get so excited about trying to make this tailgate better every season. Yeah, well, like I said, we've come a long way from where we are now with all this. I mean, it used to be over there, we would have two easy ups and I had, I think it was a 30 by 40 tarp that we would cover two cars, create this huge like dry space, which if I remember right back, was it 2012 or whatever, where it rained every single game, <laughs> like five games in a, that was the season that was five, five in a row, which was brutal. <laughs> Stuff never left our kitchen or the downstairs because we literally were preparing to go back again the next week. I think that was my first season. Yeah, probably. But I mean, it, it's amazing. You know, I'm the Boy Scout with the knots and tying stuff down and making sure things are there. You know, Fred is the audiovisual. He's he's the AV guy. He's in charge of all the computer technology that's dish, the television, anything having to do with that. But you know, when we started, we started with, remember you used to take then you used to take like the box out of your like kid's room or something to put in the back of the car. And we had like a little like 24 inch television. Well, yeah, that's true. We had this tiny <laughs> little TV in the back of the, yeah. the RV or not the RV, the, the SUV. Yeah. Um, but I still take the box. I still take the box out of my kid's <laughs> room every time. Yeah. We go. But yeah, but now we've got our own, we've got an own, we have a purpose, a purpose dish yeah. <laughs> on a tripod. Yeah. Now. We, yeah. Like I said, it's, you you came up you, you come up with the uh, uh, what's the thing called what's the tripod called the transient oh yeah the transient or whatever so we got no no yeah whatever it's called for for yeah for 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 doing land surveys right that's what it started out as but we <laughs> civil engineering but, but, yeah but you yeah. you engineered it to like fit the dish so I mean the, years back you'd be searching now it's sort of like bam 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 up 
we got Bloody Marys going and game day by 9.01. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Every, every year has been, I think every year both Bill and I look to do at least one thing, one improvement, right? Um, and so since since we, even once we went to the van, as, as Vince brought up, at first we were just throwing stuff in there, mm-hmm. didn't really know how to organize it and and uh, it was, it was, you know, whatever. I want to say it was kind of rough, but we were definitely not as organized. But now it's, you know, we know where every bin goes. We know where we, everything has its place. And so a lot fits in there. We really do cram quite a bit in there. And especially in the winter mm-hmm. yeah. when you need, well, I don't, I don't know that we need, but we provide heating and, yeah. and, you know, better cover and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of stuff in that van. Yeah, obviously you said about each year we're trying to make it better. So we come up with the canopy and stuff. And everything. Well, we had the problem with the TV to the canopy with the doors open in the back of the RV. We have this space. So Fred engineers like this. It's a custom piece that goes between the the RV and the canopy to provide that. It's all waterproof over top of the television set and that. And plus the way it gets hooked up there and stuff, it actually has its own built-in gutter. So if it actually is raining, we can run water off one side or the other. Yeah, I'm amazed at how well that has held up. By the way, I'm I'm playing with fire there, Bill. Uh, I I won't divulge all the details, but that's one of my improvements oh, for nice. this year. I, I I I have made an improvement to that apparatus. Well, let's put it this way: it is unproven yet. We'll see if it's an improvement or if I've taken it backwards. <laughs> we'll make it work no matter what. All right. So if we talk about, uh, you know, needing to buy a new TV at some point during the season on the podcast, then you'll know that uh, the experiment has gone poorly. Obviously, there's been uh, a lot of improvements made uh, to the tailgate over the years. I mean, you guys just shared a couple of really big ones. So are there some improvements or some additions that you would say are more significant than others or ones that really do stick out in your mind over the past uh, handful of years? Um, The funnest one is, you know, last year was the full year. We, We instituted from the very beginning communion, where your prediction comes from. Now, we've we did the season before that. And so obviously we got COVID factored in here. So what was it, what did that been 2019 when we did that, that season, mm-hmm. perhaps, you know, we had this person over there and he's trying to get us over to do like communities, inviting us over to whatever. And Fred and I actually think this is a real, like, <laughs> we're like, eh, until we see it going on and stuff. I'm like, wait a minute, this is, this is something different. So I haven't seen those, at least last season that they weren't there or at least, you know, whatever. So we kind of adopted it and we have our, you know, it's pretty much the same thing. Only I think that, I mean, you know, me, they had like a cardboard box with the trays. Well, I can't do that. So I have to make a literally actual communion tray, which I made one for Nittany Blues. So so you guys will have your own. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll definitely share a picture of that on uh, Instagram, Facebook and everywhere else. So everybody can see that, but uh, yeah, much appreciated for but, that. So we're very excited. Yeah, you know, and the original tray came, I, I mean, it was literally one week we didn't have it. And the next week we did have built, that was a bit of a surprise and works, works quite well. Although I'm proud, I'm proud to say that uh, it, at least uh, last season, we started to get enough people coming that. Uh, yeah. The, the, there were not enough holes that in the is, tray That anymore, is true. So. We had them stacked all in the top. That's <laughs> awesome, really. <laughs> That's awesome, really. Although now we have two trays, so now we have to try and surpass two trays, I guess. Uh, see if we can't get more. But yeah, I um, well, as Bill said, the weather thing is we've gotten pretty good at at shielding weather, and that 
that can be critical. I mean, you know, many games, it's not that big a deal, but boy, yeah. when you, when you get a, you know, we, we've got, we've got some pictures from a game where, I mean, we had mud two inches deep because it was, it was snowing outside, but because of the heat inside <laughs> the tent, uh, all that, all that moisture just turned into liquid and made yeah. for a nice little mud pit, but we were yeah. all, we were all warm. And yeah. Dry. I think it was Iowa and, um, it, and that, that, it was snowing, but yet we were wearing t-shirts inside, inside the back there in the camp yeah. because we had it so freaking warm. That was the year that we experimented <laughs> with the blower and sucking air, doing a convection thing, yeah, yeah. sucking the hot air from the ceiling of the canopy down to the floor and back. It worked like a chomp. That, that was, that. yeah, that was, we've only, I think we've only used it that one time so far, but it's, it's, uh, it's ready to go. So yeah, we do have, uh, in addition to the heater, you know, heat rises. So you got all this heat sort of trapped up at the top of the tent. So we have a little, uh, you know, it's a piece of dryer venting connected to a little fan to suck that hot air back down and blow it onto the floor. Um, and like Bill said, that seemed to work pretty mm-hmm. well. Um, a lot of very hot air trapped up there. So yeah, weather's we've, it's a whole nother story, but we've even rescued people, yes. you know, strange strangers sitting out in the rain, uh, who, who now show up at our tailgate every year for the most Yeah. Part. Those people we have rescued um, in that BMW town. or whatever, sitting there with the, using yeah, the gas fuel yeah. to keep warm sitting... umbrellas sitting in her trunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, that was that was a that that it just rained. It was a downpour for hours, and they were sitting out in it trying to hide under an umbrella. Um, so we invited them over, and and uh, it just makes all the difference in the world when you can keep keep tailgating and not worry about what the weather looks like. That's another tip uh, I'll give. Know your know your wind predictions. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> um, it's important when you're there as to what you can get set up. And also, if you have any plans whatsoever of leaving any of it set up when you go in the game, so it's there when you come back out. Um, Years ago, I think when we were still in cars, uh, we did decide to leave a tent set up. We had staked it to the ground. um, And when we came back, it was mangled up into a heaping mess up against the fence. So you definitely... You definitely want to make sure you're absolutely certain you're not going to get a ton of wind while you're, uh, you know, one gust is all it takes, right? So you got to kind of know, I'm going into the game for three hours. Is there any chance whatsoever we're going to get high winds? We only ever were defeated once, and that was that Ohio State game. Yep. When I am, like, trying everything to hold this thing down, I literally lashed the canopy to the game rack on the ground thinking there's no way in hell it's going to pick picked up the whole dang thing. And then those other those older guys in the RV behind us, like we're wondering how long it was gonna take you before you gave up. <laughs> it was just it was how it had to be twenty miles an hour, easy. Yeah, um, I got two more tips if 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 we got time, right? So yeah, absolutely. One is one is sort of a combined tip, right? Is make a list, man. Yep. Make a list, or you're gonna forget something. Um, no matter what you think, even if your tailgate's not that big. Just make a list and check it off as you put it in the car. Um, before we started doing that, there was not always, but too often something that's missing, and that, and that can be a bummer. Yep. But then sort of in combination with that, if you do forget something, it's a community out there. Don't be shy. Walk around. Find somebody. Um, we've borrowed things. Um, I mean, I, I remember <laughs> Bill mentioned the Bloody Marys. Yep. There was a year where it was my job to bring the vodka. Uh, interestingly enough, it's never been my job since. I don't know if Bill just quietly decided to start <laughs> bringing that on his own or not, but 
But in any case, I forgot the vodka, so we Bill broke out all the Bloody Mary stuff first thing in the morning, and no vodka, that's a problem. Uh, and we, it didn't take us long at all. So three minutes walking down, asking people, and someone poured us literally probably a, a pint of vodka. Um, they had they had a nice full bar set up actually. They had quite the setup from a bar mm -hmm. perspective. Actually, and, actually and, now uh, you know, our bar actually to... looks like theirs now. So. <laughs> well, yeah, yes. Well, that's true. We've improved there as well. And, and then the last thing: not everybody can have this luxury, and many weeks we don't have this either. But if you can manage to swing somebody who doesn't care about the game and is willing to not go in, that's a real <laughs> benefit. <laughs> that, then you leave everything set up, and and uh, especially if you have TV like us, it's not that bad. You can watch the game, uh, so you can watch the game, but but you just don't go in. So if you got somebody who doesn't have a ticket, doesn't want to pay, doesn't care if they go in, or we tend to get somebody when the weather's really bad. There's there's usually somebody who's like, ah, forget it, I'll just stay out here with the, in the dry and the roof <laughs> in the dry and watch it on TV, especially if it's not a, a you know a fierce opponent. Um, but if you can swing that, that's awesome. Great stuff. Yeah. And I know Vince and I both have experience uh, having manned the fort outside of Beaver Stadium on certain games. And uh, like you said, the experience is not lacking in any way, in any uh, in a weird way. It's uh, very unique because you're watching what's happening on TV, but there's a lag from what's happening in the stadium. So you hear the roar of the crowd and then you're just looking at the TV waiting for the big thing to happen. So I remember us uh, when we played pittsburgh in 2017 like the very within the first quarter when we got that interception and then the quick touchdown to mike kosicki i heard the roar of the crowd twice and so i was just on the edge of my seat just waiting to see what cool thing penn state had done so uh yeah definitely um definitely agree with you there so uh yeah ton of great tips that we've shared here i mean we've learned about some high-tech tailgating engineering with uh convection currents and you know siphoning heat to certain areas uh, talked about just how strong of a community penn state truly is uh, just with tailgaters helping out fellow tailgaters so uh never never be afraid to ask another uh, person in blue and white for help so thank you for you know those wonderful tips we'll be asking you guys for some more tips uh as we progress through this season so i guess the most important question though that i have for you about tailgating that relates to this week is what's on the menu well, this it's a noon game, so noon games are always interesting. And uh, first game of the season, noon game. I think I would say I think you'd agree, Bill. We're keeping it fairly. Yeah, we basic usually keep it pretty time. simple for um, these kind of games. Yeah, you know, especially in the morning, you know, you don't have that much time before game time, right? So, or before you have to head in. So we want stuff that's kind of easy to set up and and get going and start feeding people. You know, and then there's, uh, you know, if we're back on later in the season, we can talk about some of the, the fancier days when we get late games and we can set things up and have more cooking equipment. Things get a little bit more interesting. But um, but for this game, I'm bringing like uh, for breakfast sort of bagels and spreads and fruit and that kind of stuff. And then I have a, a lunch that's um, it's like a rice and beef and cheese casserole that, you know, you can put in a, a slow cooker um, so that's pretty easy. And we, we generate a fair amount of electricity out there so we can have um, a, f a fair amount of cooking appliances going. Um, so that's what I'm personally bringing. The other thing I always bring uh, as maybe a tip as well, but it, Bill may not even know this, but uh, I always in the van, there is always an emergency chips, pretzels and tortilla chips just in case. <laughs> um, so every every season I sort of stock that. <laughs> 
you know, if someone brings a, and this is how chicken dip is a big one where you run out of chips, no chip. Yeah. No chips. And it's not nearly as fun. Uh, Or this is rare. Usually we have too much food, but the crowd can be unpredictable. You know, people suddenly bring other people or especially like, you know, when, when, when you have students. Exactly. um, We don't know how many are going to show up this year. Yeah. What extra friends will show up. Um, So you'll have a run on, on food. We've never, literally run out but that's the other reason i keep the emergency chips is just in case it starts getting down to bear pickings late in the day or something but usually it's the opposite we've got a ton of food um so that's what i'm bringing and then there's always we all bring our we sort of everybody brings the cooler of beer and soda and and water and and now now gallons of fireball for communion great stuff what are you bringing well i mean i it's basically a thing i'm in charge of the bloody marys and this year we're going, we're getting back to basics. You know, last season I got kind of lazy. I don't know if it was like back from COVID. Oh, we're going back to homemade. Oh, we're going completely back to homemade. I got lazy All last right. year with the zigzag <laughs> and stuff, but no, we're going back to, we're going back to the original recipe. And I even yesterday worked on adding to, I have a, enough supply of rimming, the rimming salt that I made with the old bay and all that stuff pepper and everything yeah. for the glass. So we're going back to the way that it was in 2019. Um, getting back to that and not, not that, but I always make candy cake. It's like the thing that I make and it's a process. You make the cake on Thursday, you put the, you put the chocolate mm-hmm. on on Friday. It's, it's exactly what it sounds like. It's chocolate, peanut butter and cake. And it's actually the perfect breakfast food because it goes with everything. It goes with beer. It goes with Bloody Mary's. It goes with coffee. It goes great with coffee, like this leftover stuff. Monday, when I take, if we have some left, I'll take it into work and it'll literally be gone in like five minutes. So we're doing that. Like I said, for this one, it's a little bit thing. Uh, you know, Chris is into, has really gotten into deviled eggs, even though, you know, for years she didn't really like them. All of a sudden she tried them and guess what? She really likes them and she's really good at making them. So we're bringing deviled eggs because I know Andrea also likes deviled eggs. And then cheese and bologna. Like I said, we're keeping it simple. I know some other things that are on the list is uh, buffalo. The buffalo, the buffalo chicken dips. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I saw that. That that'll be on there too. Always got to have that. Yeah, yeah. So usually, like he said, these noon games are weird in the fact that you really can't. It's hard to organize something really complicated. So it tends to be more like snacky bar food kind of kind of stuff that you have, you know, and just all around. Because when you get back out of the game, you know, there again we're not leaving right away, you know, we're sticking around, but yet we also are not usually going to like pull out and like cook a massive amount of stuff. We're just going to eat what we have left over. And that's the way it is. There's one last tip to sneak in there, Andrew. Don't try and leave right away. No. It's just not worth it. A, <laughs> a, you might as well have more fun and B, you can either stay at your tailgate and have fun, or you can sit in a line of traffic for an hour and a half. Um, it, it literally, it, it just doesn't make any sense. Just hang out and have a good time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, great point. And usually for us, uh, yeah, usually for us, we're also just watching football, more football on the TV yeah. after the Penn state game is wrapped up too. So we've seen some awesome games, uh, even after the main event has ended. So just another reason to really stick around. Yeah. Everyone loves more football and we had so many great tips today. Uh, I know we mentioned a lot of cold weather tips, but this weekend actually might be a little unusual and that's a little warm. It's looking like sunny, close to 80 degrees. 
Brad, do you have any tips for the heat and tailgating in the heat? Well, uh, number one, you might, it always, the, the, the direct sun's rough, right? So even, even when it's like 70 in the fall, it can be really, it can really be quite warm uh, with that sun beating down on you. So if you've got the tent and all that yeah. and, and walls, a lot of times you end up wanting to put that up anyway, just to sort of create some shade. Plus, keep the food in the shade. You know, keeping the food. Yeah, you kind of want to keep the food in the shade. Um, I am bringing uh, another slight improvement. Um, I, I did buy a couple of like blow up um, containers that we can put ice in and, and rest the, the, the food in to try and keep it cold. So that, that's a slight improvement. <laughs> that's as well. hilarious because I was literally looking at one of those a week ago. And I'm like, we should buy one of these for the day. Okay. <laughs> and and, oh, good thing and Chris buy, is like, yeah. maybe you should check with Fred first. <laughs> <laughs> usually when it's hot i will jam the cooler with as much ice as it will actually hold not to use it yeah. to keep everything in there cold but for drinks and something else and just like i don't know you, we can't make any more of it while we're there so you need to take about as much as we can carry yeah and those are yeah. some great tips i didn't even think about keeping the food in the shade so that's really great especially if you have something like a dessert that has chocolate in it and it can melt keeping it under and in the shade that can help keep your food maintained for the entirety of the day. Yeah. I have brought a fan. The one year I brought a, a standing yeah, fan. Yeah, that was a good warm, one. So. <laughs> That's always a possibility too. I don't know if it'll be warm enough this week or not. We'll see. We'll see what the weather says the day before. Yeah, you never know. But uh, yeah, as Vince said, all great tips. So I think these are uh, tidbits that pretty much any Penn State fan can use as they're uh, preparing their tailgate for the upcoming season. So. Going into this game against the Ohio Bobcats, Penn State is a heavy favorite. Uh, currently, they're favored by 24 points. So do you think that Penn State covers the spread and wins by more than 24 points this weekend against Ohio University? Yes, I think. I, I, I'm going with 35-6. Um, so I think they'll cover. But, you know, it's it seems to be a Penn State thing that no matter how good we are, we, we, we're never, we never come out with the blowouts. It, it's so rare to really have a blowout. I, not that I think we'd get that anyway, but um, but I, I I shy away from that no matter who we're playing because we don't seem to go there most of the time. But um, but yeah, I th I think we'll cover. Yeah, I, I mean I agree. We we usually I, we usually end up playing to level our competition, which is how we get Illinois last year and that kind of stuff. But I think we're gonna hang forty on them. Whether or not we beat the spread, I don't know because. You know what? I think when we get up to a comfortable lead, at least what I would like to see is, you know, us get some people into the game and whether or not that turns into like people scoring or whatever, because everybody's going to want to do a good job and try and do it. But, you know, I would really hope that we get to see Aller play some. We get to see Villeneuve play some, you know, I mean, like get people experienced. You know, Clifford doesn't need it. You know, he's been through this thing. Or whatever but that's what i expect you know hopefully that's what we get and it's not like an lsu florida state kind of deal right my my thought is that if all things are going well and penn state is winning uh to the degree that it kind of expects it to be you might even see bo perbula out there at quarterback I, too like we might get four deep into the position yeah, i mean that'd be great Obviously, a lot of uh, great stuff shared here. So before we have you guys uh, sign off here, Dad, I know that you have some really cool insider knowledge about the Penn State equipment truck that you were hoping to share. Oh, with yeah, everybody. that's right. 
So I always get jacked when I get the, the you get the tweet or whatever of the, the truck leaving, like the the first game of the season, like the the equipment truck going, and everything. So I'm just like, what a freak cool job, you know? And it's like, I wonder who drives the truck. So I'm thinking, all right, it's probably like, you know, I'm thinking they probably lease the truck or something like that. It's probably the equipment equipment you know department or whatever does it. Absolutely, actually no. I mean, literally since like the 70s. Penn State has contracted with Hoy Transport at a, like Center Hall, and they own the trucks. And I'm pretty sure that Penn State's when it kicks in the money to dress them up the way they look. But they own the trucks. They drive the trucks. There's six drivers that drive these things, you know, depending on the thing. Obviously, it, this is from an interview that I, I found from 2019 that was in the Collegian. And... You know, they're, obviously they're asking questions like, you know, how far do they drive and everything is like, well, obviously, well, the Rose Bowl was the furthest they've traveled to, to deliver stuff. And he said they did it in 40 hours, which I thought was actually pretty amazing to get from State College to Los Angeles in 40 hours. But they have two drivers and I guess they just flip them off and everything like that. And so the, the procedure is that they drop the trailer off at the at the university equipment managers and stuff load the truck driver shows up hooks the truck up to the thing, and he's make sure the load is there, and then they take it to where they're going. When they get there, they unload the truck and put the stuff like where, like in front of the, I guess the locker room or whatever, and then the equipment managers do that. And then after the game, the equipment managers pull all the stuff out, and then the drivers actually load the truck back up, and everybody goes home. And then the driver comes back and drops the trailer back on Sunday back in the university, and then the equipment people will do what they do. But I, I thought it was really interesting, the fact that, you know, it's not, you know, basically it is contract with them to do it. And, you know, they don't own any of it, which actually kind of makes sense because it's a commercial truck and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and it just makes sense that it would be, you know, a, a, a private contractor kind of a thing. But this company has been doing it since like 72. That's wow. really interesting. And we could see more of those trips with USC and UCLA in, in the near future with them joining the Big Ten. Yeah, you're right. Great stuff. So yeah, if you've ever seen those tweets uh, where they show the truck kind of taken off outside of the Bryce Jordan Center and you also wondered a little bit of how that process takes place, well, there you go. So this is going on about 50 years now that uh, this process has been in place. So uh, it's nothing new. It just looks a lot cooler with the uh, Penn State We Are logo on the side. So uh, thank you both so much for being on the Nittany Blues podcast. I think I speak for both Vince and myself when we say that we'd love to have you guys back on to share some more tailgating tips, um, share a little bit more about what you'll be cooking for a particular game, especially as we get into some of the big ones against like Minnesota and Ohio State, and obviously to uh, hear your predictions about the game as well. So for now, you know, thank you both very much for being on. Yeah, thank you. This was fun. Yeah, blast. All right, so let's hop back over to our discussion about Ohio. All right, so let's discuss some Ohio players to watch. So on the offensive side of the ball, we have quarterback Curtis Rourke, a redshirt junior who has had the job now for a couple of years, uh, had a really nice game against FAU, completed 27 passes for 345 yards and four touchdowns. And on the, the rushing side of things, which is the strength of their offense, C.A. Bangora 
the starting running back, ran 23 times for 114 yards and averaged five yards a carry. So they're looking to really continue the success that they had rushing the ball into 2022. So they're off to a pretty good start with that. Moving over to defense, this is where we see a lot of the experience on the team. And it really starts with their linebacker group with Bryce Houston and Key Thompson, both redshirt seniors, really just bringing a ton of experience to that part of the defense. And then we also have a couple of seniors in Jack McCrory and Vonnie Watkins at the defensive end spot. I think this will be a nice test for Penn State overall offensively just to, uh, you know, kind of tighten up their execution and compete against some guys who have been in college football for a while now. So what are some things that you're going to be looking for in this upcoming game? Uh, who are some guys or some position groups on Penn State side that you're looking for big things from this game? And ultimately, what do you think Penn State has to do to come away with a victory? Yeah, I think we need big things from our pass rush. Uh, they they kind of underwhelmed against Purdue. So I'm looking more for that pass rush as well as the defensive backs. I'm looking for them to make the interception when it is there. If we look at the stats here, Ohio, they had pl- uh, five receivers with significant numbers. Against FAU. Against FAU, correct. So they have a lot of different weapons out there. So we really need Adisa Isaac and company to have a party at the quarterback to help out our defensive backs. Awesome. Yeah, I agree with all those points. I think on my side, offensively, I think it's just going to be important for them to really take care of the football, not have sloppy mistakes where they're giving the ball away for free. I think it's important to not sleepwalk through this game and really make sure that they're executing, you know, because I think it's quite possible to kind of have a down week after an emotional win against an in-conference opponent. So I'll be looking for the offense to kind of repeat their performance last year against Ball State after a really tough win against Wisconsin. Uh, So I'd love to see the offense execute at a really high level. And as part of that, I'd love to see fewer drops. You know, this is really great opportunity for the receivers and the tight ends to make sure that they're tightening things up, uh, sharpening their tools for the rest of the Big Ten season. So no drops. And then on the defensive side of things, you know, I'd love to see how they rebound in defending the run. Uh, The rushing attack is the strength of the Ohio Bobcat offense. So I'd love to see them stymie that a bit more than they did against uh, Doru King from Purdue. So I'd love to see that. And I do agree with you. Um, It would be awesome to kind of establish a, a lockdown defense in the secondary. Overall, they just need to play their game, execute, not commit too many dumb penalties, and also not turn the ball over a handful of times. Yeah, I agree, especially with your wide receivers not dropping the ball. It's great when they can actually catch it. Awesome. Uh, Should we get into some over-unders? Yeah, I think so. Speaking of drops for the Lions this week, do you have over or under three and a half drops? I'm going to go under. Uh, and I'm, I'm only saying that because I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be optimistic. I'm going to be glass half full. And so I'm just going to say that, uh, you know, during practice this week, the drops have been highly emphasized. So I think all the receivers, all the pass catchers are going to have it in their head that I cannot drop this football. So I believe in them. I believe in the coaches. So no drops this week. Well, maybe, maybe one drop, one drop, <laughs> you know, I'll take one. Yeah. So I'm going to take the under. How about you? I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty optimistic going into this game. I think you might see some second string guys in there, maybe third string. So I'm going to take the over and you might see four. I'll, I'll say four. All right. Fair enough. Yeah, I think that is something that you're going to see a lot in this game. Like you're going to see a bunch of guys playing on Penn State side, or at least we hope that we are, because if you are, that typically means that things are going Penn State's way. So I see your point. Yep. 
All right, moving on for our over-unders. Does Penn State cover the spread? Currently, it is at 24.5 points. Yeah, I'm going to take the over and say that they are going to cover the spread. I still really like this offense and what they're capable of as long as everybody's executing at a high level. I think this defense is going to have a lot of success with slowing down this Ohio offense both through the air and hopefully on the ground as well. So I'm going to take the over and say that they cover. I I have them just over in my final prediction, but barely over. Next over under, we have points for Penn State. I have 48 and a half here. Do you have the over or under? I'll take the over. You know, I think that they uh, have shown themselves to be a pretty capable offense when they're executing at a high level. I mean, Purdue, you know, even though they're not known for their defense, they're still Big Ten football, you know, so and Penn State was able to put up five touchdowns against them. So I think that as long as they're executing their game and not dropping passes and putting themselves into like third and long situations, I think that they could get up to the 50 mark. So I'll take the over. All right. Uh, I do have the under, but not by much. All right. And we'll reverse that points against over or under 20 and a half. Yeah, see, I'll take the over, and it's not because I don't think that they can shut down this Ohio offense. I think it's just going to be a situation where you're going to have guys coming in at like the linebacker group. I mean, they're going to want to get uh, guys like Abdul Carter some reps after that questionable targeting call last week. They're going to want to get their young guys in, in at that spot and in the cornerback and the safety position uh, just to get them a few reps. So I can see Ohio uh, putting together a couple of touchdowns in the second half that puts them over that mark. So I'll take the over. I'll take the under again. Uh, not by much, though. All right. Uh, the rushing attack did not do well last week. Uh, can they get over 149 and a half yards? Yeah, I'll take the over on this one. I think that they're going to find their seams. I think having a game under their belt is going to be really helpful for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen just in terms of uh, just acclimating to the speed of the game. I think it, the the learning curve is going to be very short for them just given how talented they are. So I think they're going to they're gonna see some big runs, and I think uh, Kevon Lee is going to get his yards too. So I like the over here. Yeah, I think I will take the over as well. Passing yards, uh, we have... Florida Atlantic, I believe, had 356. So do we get uh, 349 and a half over that? I'm going to take the under just because I think you're probably going to see Sean Clifford. If things are going well, you're only going to see Sean Clifford for a half of this football game, maybe one or two drives into the third quarter. So I think he's probably going to get up into like the 200 yard mark and you're gonna probably see drew aller coming into this game and i have a question about that which i'll ask after this over under segment but i think you're gonna see drew aller i think you're gonna see christian bayou and possibly even bo perbula at some point during this game as long as things are going well i mean if you know if this turns into you know a scare for penn state obviously you're gonna see sean clifford out there a heck of a lot more but i think collectively you're not gonna see penn state get over that mark i think they could if they set their minds to it. I just think the fact that they're going to want to get uh, some other guys reps means that they're going to uh, have under that mark. Okay. I think Penn state wants to, like you said, focus on the drops. I can see them passing the ball a lot this game to try to clean that stuff up. So I'll take the over over or under one and a half turnovers for Penn state. I'm going to take the under, you know, I just think that 
they they did a really good job of protecting the football against Purdue. I think they're going to want to continue that trend throughout the entire season since they're going to be going up against some very talented, very opportunistic defenses in Michigan, in Ohio State, and some other teams. So they're going to want to continue to protect the ball. So I'll take the under. Great. Uh, takeaways. How many takeaways does Penn State get in this football game? Over, under, one and a half. I'll take the over. I think, you know, we didn't see any interceptions by the secondary against Purdue in that pass heavy offense. But even though Ohio is more known for their rushing attack, they do like to put it in the air a lot to the tune of Curtis Works uh, over 300 yards passing against FAU. So I like their chances of getting one or two out of the air. And I think we'll get them to put it on the ground at least once as well. Great. I think I will take the over as well. I don't see Joey Porter dropping interceptions in two consecutive weeks all right the pass rush sacks for penn state over or under four and a half i'll take the under and it's really just because there's so much experience across that offensive line for ohio um you know just looking at their depth chart right now i mean going from left to right you have redshirt junior redshirt senior redshirt junior redshirt senior redshirt sophomore so there's a lot of football under the belt of those guys collectively. So I think talent-wise, Penn State definitely has the edge. I mean, you're going to see guys just getting around them just because they're they're faster, they're bigger, they're stronger. I think this team is talented enough to limit some of those attempts by the Penn State pass rush. So I'm going to take the under on the sacks. I think you're going to see more pressure put on Curtis Work than Aiden O'Connell in the Purdue game. I think the sack number will still be under. Have you seen the TikTok of Ohio's offensive line? I have since uh, you sent it to me this evening. It's uh, it's quite entertaining. <laughs> quite entertaining. Uh, seems like they're having a lot of fun at practice. Uh, but all seriousness aside, uh, I, I do think that we can't overblow a TikTok video. And I'll say under, but with four sacks. And lastly, right. does Penn State establish the pass rush? Uh, sacks against two and a half. I'm going to take the under. I think... The offensive line is going to kind of see this as a way to show that they have taken that step forward after having some struggles against Purdue. So they're going to play, they're going to be playing with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, at least in my opinion. Uh, So I think they're going to really do their best to make sure that their quarterback stays upright. And I think collectively, Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, Christian Bayou, they have a lot of awareness in the pocket to kind of escape some of that pressure if the if the pocket does break down. So I'll take the under here. I'll take the under as well. I I'm I've been bashing the offensive line a lot this so far this season, but I think they're going to keep Sean Clifford up right in this contest as well. So I'll say, I'll say two. Awesome. All right. So drew Lar, what are you thinking? Yeah. So the question that I have for you, and this kind of falls into the kind of the same category as over under, do you think that you see drew Aller for at least one full quarter of football? On Saturday, I'll say yes, at least one full quarter of football. And that's a fact. I would agree. Speaking of facts, our next segment is fact or fiction. So, Andrew, fact or fiction, we will see another team with three penalties on a single play this season, like the Purdue game. I'm going to say fiction. I mean, that was just just like the perfect storm of just weird things happening in a single play. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen that. I'm pretty sure Joel and Gus on the broadcast said that they'd never seen that before. So I'm going to say fiction. I mean, it's uh, you, you count your lucky stars when you get two against the defense that you're going up against, but three is just insane. 
Yeah, I agree. Unless you're seeing uh, a false start by everybody except the uh, center on the offensive line, I don't think you're going to see that. So I'll say fiction as well. But when I was watching that game, I was like, oh, one of those must be on Penn State and it must be all seven penalties. But that was not the case. And what in the Nittany Lions favor last week? Fact or fiction, Penn State deserves to be ranked after this weekend. I'm going to say fact, and this is absolutely my homerism talking here, but I think that was a ranked team worthy victory. And, you know, I think uh, Purdue is going to get some votes to be ranked themselves. I mean, they've they showed themselves to be a very capable team. Um, I think Penn State going on the road to take them on in a weird Thursday night game shouldn't be overlooked uh, for their ranking potential. So I'm going to say fact here, Vince. I'm going to disagree with you there, Andrew. I'm going to say fiction. I thought a lot of those other teams that were ranked looked very good. A lot of them had good quality wins. Some of them were against cupcake opponents, but I don't think Penn State showed anything special to me that they deserve to be jumped over the other teams. That's fair. And uh, I guess a follow-up question to that. Do you think that if they lay the hammer to Ohio this weekend that they might find themselves ranked in week three? Uh, to be honest, I don't think so. There's not a lot of big matchups where I see ranked teams losing, but if they do beat Auburn, I, if on the road and a tough environment, I think they deserve to be ranked. All right. Next factor fiction, three different Penn state quarterbacks will have a passing touchdown versus Ohio. I'm going to say fiction. And the reason why I'm saying fiction is because of my communion prediction for this week, which I will save uh, for that part of the show. If you asked me if three different quarterbacks will have a touchdown of any kind, I would have said fact, but I think you're going to, you're going to see a lot of points scored in this game on Penn state side, but I don't think that three different quarterbacks are going to have a passing touchdown in this game. I think they will get it done. I'm going to say fact. All right. Next factor fiction. PSU allows zero touchdowns in the home opener. Fiction. We're going to see, you know, the three deep, maybe four deep at certain positions as long as things are going well. Uh, Ohio is definitely going to get, you know, a garbage time touchdown or two late in the game. So I'm going to say fiction. Yeah, I'll say fiction as well. Just because Ohio put up 41 points against FAU, you got to figure they're going to put up probably around half of that in this contest. All right. Last Fact and fiction I have. Beaver Stadium fans force three false starts in the home opener. I'm going to say fiction, and it's only because it is the the first home game of the season. Uh, if you asked me this question when it came to Minnesota or maybe Ohio State, which uh, maybe you will resurface this question then, I probably would have said fact. But I think this being a noon game, you know, the fans are still going to be kind of shaking the rust off from the offseason. So got to get the voice boxes right, got to get the energy amped up, kind of, you know, ramping up for the the meat of the season, the really important games. So I think we'll probably get them to commit one, but uh, I'm going to take fiction. I'm going to do a fact. We have the the best fans in all of college football. I don't think we're going to need too much to get in the rhythm, maybe a quarter or two, but I think I'm going to take the fact here. We are getting forcing three false starts in Beaver Stadium. All right. I think we can move on to one of our favorite segments of the show, communion predictions. Communion. 
We do it religiously. What is your communion prediction? Yeah, so my communion prediction for this game is that you are going to see three different running backs score a touchdown during this game. And I think two of them are going to be by the freshman, Catron Allen and Nick Singleton. And I think you're probably going to see Kevon Lee get into the end zone as well. What about you? My communion prediction, uh, Parker Washington. He kind of disappeared a little bit in the Purdue game. He only had four targets. Only caught two of them, had the one bad drop. My communion prediction is that Parker Washington bounces back and has at least 100 yards and a touchdown for the Nittany Lions. Awesome. Yeah, love to see that. All right, so in this game, what do you got? Final score. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on the prediction for this game, Um, you know, just between Ohio's collective experience across the offense and defense and just the wide spread in favor of Penn State for this game. So I think there could be a lot of points scored here. So I'm going to take Penn State winning this game 52 to 24. So looking at them last season, seeing the three and nine record, I was starting to think, you know, 49 to 10 or 13. But they definitely show that they can pass the ball. Uh, you know, they have plenty of good wide receivers. Uh, so I have them just covering the spread. Uh, 45 to 20 Penn State win. Beaver Stadium's happy. We're having a good time and hopefully not pulling our hair out. Yeah, let's hope. Uh, we don't need a repeat from week one. Absolutely. All right. So I think that will just about do it. Any final thoughts? So. I was biking Saturday and I I was kind of spooked by this person's porch. I eventually figured out they had Halloween decorations out. So in my opinion, it is far too early and Halloween decorations should not be out until October 1st. What what is your opinion on that matter having decoration Halloween decorations out during Labor Day weekend? I think you're absolutely spot on with that opinion. And the reason I say that is because that's actually mine and my girlfriend's tradition every year. On October 1st, we decorate the house fully in all of our Halloween decorations. And I'm willing to put my cards on the table and say that my girlfriend is probably more enthusiastic about Halloween than maybe anybody else on the planet. I mean, we've been buying Halloween stuff since June. So I've got Halloween stuff in my attic. I have Halloween stuff in the garage and it's all ready to go. And on October 1, we buckle down, we decorate the whole home. So we've got full spooky time action going on after that October 1st cutoff. But I think you're absolutely right. And this was a terrific question. So Vince, I think that we're just about ready to wrap up here. So how can the folks at home help us out if they want to support the podcast? Please tell your friends, follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. If you enjoy the pod, please leave a five-star review so that other Nittany Lion fans like you can find us interested in new episodes. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or other streaming platforms to be notified. Thank you for listening, and we want to remind you that we are the Nittany Blues Podcast. See you next time.